Olympic City and the home of Pikes Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show with Matt West. And here we are rocking it on the Automotive ADHD Show. It's heard around the world as a podcast here in Southern Colorado on the radio. Colorado Springs, AM 1460 and FM 101.1, The Answer. I'm doing the show from the studios right here on Woodman and I-25. Also, you can tune into the show further south in the state in the Wet Mountain Valley on 91.7 KLZR. Matt West here hanging out with you, talking cars for the weekend. I've got a special show for you today because in the second half of the show, Jonathan Shaw, president of Hemmings joins me. We're going to do a deep dive into the current collector car market and talk about what the upcoming future classics are. It's going to be a really great interview. I am I am super excited to have Jonathan on the show here uh, a little bit later. And before we get to that, I'm also going to answer a listener question and talk about loans versus leases. Which one is better? Why would you choose one over the other? There's not necessarily a wrong answer here. It It's very circumstantial and uh, there's reasons why you would do one thing or another. There's two. There's kind of two right answers when it comes to this. So we're going to get to the ins and outs of that. Um, and of course, we're going to play your car sounds on this edition of the show. Now, before we get to that, I want to give a shout out to uh, right now. It's it's the holiday season, right? You know, we uh, we just passed Black Friday. We're a couple weeks out from Christmas. Uh, folks are ordering stuff online at record paces, and uh, I do want to give a shout out to delivery drivers, guys who are working for any of the you know uh, major delivery companies or even the United States Postal Service. So and the reason I bring this up is I've had some guys message the show and say, "Hey, we listen to the show when we're doing our delivery routes." And uh, we really enjoy it. And, you know, it, it just got me thinking about that. And you know who you are if if you're one of these uh, one of these dudes doing that, because I mean, I will admit, I'm probably the reason you have like unusually heavy boxes you have to deal with because I'm ordering car parts and all sorts, <laughs> all sorts of stuff. And uh, and of course, uh, you know, I mean, these guys are working overtime here in the holiday season and uh, really making things happen. And, and again, making it so people like me can can uh, buy expensive and or, well, maybe not necessarily expensive car parts, but heavy car parts, uh, most importantly. Um, but of course, it, you know, you can catch this show right here on the radio on the weekend. And just because you catch it on the weekend doesn't mean you can't catch it later during the work week. You know, whether you're listening at home, in the garage, uh, in the car, you can, of course, tune into this show as a podcast as well, wherever fine podcasts and mine are downloaded. And again, big thanks to those guys delivering those boxes, making things happen here during the holiday season. Like it really, you are unsung heroes and you deserve some love and admiration. Um, and, uh, and so, so there you go. And, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry in advance for the, the heavy boxes. So <laughs> it's, it's all my fault. It really is. It really is. If you need someone to blame, I am, I am willing to take that blame. So, um, Anyway, there you go. Now, I got to talk about this here uh, before we move on to um, Elon Musk has started a trend in automotive 
marketing, right? Automotive marketing has always been interesting. You know, there've been, you know, marketing stunts companies do to promote certain cars and things like that. Well, you may recall my show from last week. If you don't, that's, hey, I was talking about the podcast. That's there for that. But you can listen to my show last week talking about Cybertruck. And yes, the Cybertruck is made out of three millimeter thick stainless steel, at least on the body. The body panels are thick. They're supposed to be robust. They're supposed to withstand dents and dings and nine millimeter and 45 uh, caliber uh, handgun rounds, uh, which might be a little excessive. I mean, the windows aren't bulletproof, but the doors are well, bullet resistant, we'll say. Uh, I haven't seen anybody shoot it with a rifle round yet. Curious on that. But anyway, um, so I mean, in case you want to use your cyber truck in a drive by shooting for whatever reason, uh, I guess that's a marketing point. I'm not sure that's Elon's primary demographic that he is trying to market to. But there you go, right? It's there. The result of this, though, is some other manufacturers are trying to cash in on this viral marketing of showing destructive things happening to their cars and their cars being totally fine, right? And again, Elon didn't invent this, I know, but but it's it's becoming popular. Case in point, Chinese car company um, called, and I'm gonna I'm gonna struggle on the pronunciation here. I reserve the right as an American to mispronounce this. I'm going to give it a uh, good old college try, as they say, though. Hungqi. Hongqi, H-O-N-G-Q-Q-I, Hongqi, right? That's easy enough. Um, it is their HS5 SUV, and I'll I'll interrupt myself here and say I don't know a ton about Chinese market cars. Uh, I know China is one of the biggest and growing car markets out there. I mean, the Chinese are buying cars at record rates, uh, so much so that you know American and European manufacturers who export cars to China are kind of catering their cars to that Chinese market now. We see that a lot with BMW and some of these other other manufacturers. So, I mean, the Chinese market is big for cars. I just don't know a ton about it, right? We just we just don't have Chinese cars here in the United States, aside from some Buicks and things, some late model Buicks that are actually Chinese cars that have been badged as Buicks, but that's neither here nor there. So what Hunkui did is they took their HS5 and made a viral marketing video slamming a wrecking ball into the car that's on fire. The wrecking ball's on fire. The car's not on fire. Well, not yet, at least. Um, and they're saying, wow, look how great it held up to this wrecking ball hitting it. And yeah, the side airbags deployed and your safety systems took effect. But that wasn't all. They decided to uh, take it and drive it through a couple of brick walls uh, and then drop a lesser, presumably a lesser SUV on top of it from a crane. And they said, look at it. It's fine. It still runs and it drives. I don't know about you, but Looking at this, you can look this video up online. You can find it anywhere. Um, it doesn't look fine at the end of this, right? Like when Elon, uh, you know, shot the Cybertruck and did some testing and, you know, when they've done their durability durability testing to the Cybertruck, like it was still vaguely the shape of the Cybertruck. This Hunkwe is kind of looks like a car that has been hit with a wrecking ball and driven through a couple of brick walls and then had an SUV dropped on it because that's exactly what, what happened to it. Now, to its credit, they say it started and drove after that. Fine. I'll, I'm skeptical, but I will believe that. I will uh, I will hold that at least for here. Um, the thing is, I don't. I don't think it necessarily did anything especially remarkable. You know, it held up well, right? The wrecking ball hitting it for kind of a side impact that simulates a, a side impact you might have in a traffic accident. And if anything, that wrecking ball probably, they didn't say how much it weighed, it probably weighed less than an actual car uh, that could hit this, or especially a big luxury SUV in a side impact, right? Um, they also used the wrecking ball 
which while on fire and while it looked cool and it had spikes, by the way, it had spikes and it was on fire. So, you know, they're extra serious. Um, they hit the B pillar, right? The B pillar is between the front door and the back door. It's that that area between there. That is one of the structurally strongest points on that car. You know, I mean, it's designed for side impact. So saying, look, it didn't cave the whole car in. That's not really saying a whole lot. Um, and, and it's not like this this SUV is made out of special stainless steel, you know, body panels like the Cybertruck is. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if this really hits the mark when it comes to viral marketing, though it was it was kind of entertaining to to watch uh, nonetheless. And in case you have to drive your Hungqui HS5, yeah, I got that right, HS5 through a brick wall and face off against a flaming spiky wrecking ball, uh, I guess it'll hold up well enough. Um, I think we're going to see more manufacturers doing totally bonkers uh, stunts like this, and maybe it will result in more durable cars, you know, like you know when you push a shopping cart or something normal into it. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, don't go anywhere. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk about a listener question, lease or finance, and in the second half of the show, Jonathan Shaw, president of Hemmings, joins me right here on Automotive ADHD on AM 1460 and FM 101.1, The Answer. "'Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of turbos danced in their heads. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. When what to my wondering eyes did appear but a Mark IV Supra with boost to hear, and a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment he must be Saint Nick. And then, in a twinkling, I heard the tires screech, the prancing and pawing of each horsepower. Down the track, St. Nicholas came with a bound. A bundle of parts he had flung on his back. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work, and filled all the stockings with speed parts and more, for the children would not have to return the core. He sprang to his Supra, with tires to roast, and down the track he went making the most. With forty pounds of boost on tap, he tore, knowing the children would soon have more saying Merry Christmas from the Automotive ADHD Podcast. Ho, ho, horsepower. There we go. Last month's Car Sound of the Month giveaway winner. You're listening to the Automotive ADHD show on AM 1460 and FM 101.1 The Answer, broadcasting out of Colorado Springs, just off of Woodman and I-25, and around the world as a podcast. Catch it wherever fine shows, and you know, this one are downloaded. And, you know, if you're if you're new to the if you're new to the show, rather, um, especially if you're hearing it for the first time on the radio, this is how this works. You can send car sounds into my show, and I will play them on the radio, partially because I just... I gain a sense of fulfillment from playing your car sounds on the on the show. I live vicariously through my listeners' car sounds because I, I'm sitting here in a radio studio, not driving my car, um, and so you know I I, I gotta I got There's like there's like a hole there, right? Like I can't quite do this show from my car, so this is the next best thing. And uh, the great thing is you have a chance to win some free stuff when you send those car sounds into the show. So when you send them in which you can do on facebook.com slash automotive ADHD or by email matt at throttlewarrior.com. 
Um, I'll play them here on the radio, on the podcast, and you will have a chance to win an automotive ADHD keychain and key tag. It's a nice, long, red embroidered key tag. I'm going to wave it at the microphone as if you can see it. Uh, And it's really handy for fishing your keys out of your pocket. It also tells people you've got uh, questionable tastes in um, uh, automotive radio programming. Uh, And then you also get an As Heard on the Automotive ADHD Show sticker. You can put that on your car, which you you recorded the car sounds of. Uh, And as well, uh, a little extra drop in the bucket, a $25 parts store gift certificate. So, uh, and you know, that every little bit helps whether you've got a project car or it's just your daily driver and you need some windshield wipers. So, uh, send those car sounds into the show. I do a drawing at the end of every month. So, I'll take all of the car sounds, do the drawing from those sounds that were sent in, and, um, and I'll pick one winner at random to win the keychain sticker and gift card. So uh, there you go. Facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. Matt at throttlewarrior.com. While you're at it, when you send those car sounds in, say where you're from. Say where you're from, whether you're in the Springs uh, listening on the radio or Pueblo or Monument or if you're on the podcast and you're listening from, uh, you know, any country anywhere in the world. I have had folks from Australia uh, as well as uh, different places in in, uh, Europe and things like that uh, listen to the show. So I want to thank uh, each of you for uh, for doing so there. Now, one one quick thing I got to get to here uh, is is a listener submitted question. And speaking of of listeners, um, Sean from uh, Colorado Springs here, he wrote into the show after last week's show and uh, Matt at throttlewarrior.com and uh, he says and we're going to we're going to kind of get into you know, whether a lease is the right option or financing a car is the right option. Uh, and I'm going to read his email here. He says, hey, Matt, Sean here. My 2012 Hyundai Accent just blew rings. My credit score is great, though I don't have a lot of cash. I'm needing a newer car. As a single dad, I'm careful with my money. I owe $1,600 on the broken car. He's talking about the Hyundai. He says, should I pay off the current 1600 then lease with an option to own or should I buy? Um, and that's a great question, Sean. And and I think there's more than one right answer here. Um, so there, there's a couple of different things you could do. Obviously, you could lease it. You could buy it. Now, it's going to be circumstantial because of, you know, and you gave me some good context there because there's times where leasing a car makes a lot of sense. There's times when buying a car makes sense. Now, my knee-jerk reaction is buy a car because one of the benefits you have in buying a car is you build equity in that car, even if you're financing it, right? So you're buying the car, you're getting a loan to pay for the value of the car. And as you do your payments, um, by the end of that, you own the car. Uh, Conversely, with a lease, obviously, you're basically, a lease is just a fancy way of saying you're renting that car. You're paying those payments every single month. And at the end of the lease, you give the car back and you get another lease, but you have you have nothing to show for it, um, even if it's an option to own. Right. You know, dealers will say that pretty much any lease has an option to own. You can you can buy out a lease if you uh, do that. But that car is going to have a certain value at the end of that. And that value is still going to probably be pretty hefty. And if you are going to buy that and then finance that. Um, it's probably going to be more. That financing is still probably going to be more than the actual uh, or than the the monthly payment, I should say, on that financed car that you leased, took it back, and then you know at the end of your lease, and then decided to buy it. You're probably going to be paying more in a monthly payment than you were with the lease, right? So 
conversely, your lease is going to be um, your lease is going to be cheaper. Typically, your monthly payment, I should say, if you're looking purely at your monthly payment, that lease is usually going to be a lot cheaper than if you financed that same car. And um, and I have to give a great hat tip to uh, Russ Heaps from Auto Trader. Um, for putting together some really good uh, examples of that. So he, he lists some examples for uh, comparing a lease uh, and a loan. He says, if you pick a, say, a 22, you know, 23 Nissan Sentra for, you know, base model, base everything, $22,000, uh, give or take. Um, and if you do that with a 36-month loan with thirty uh, $3,600 down, the payment would be about, 530 bucks a month, right? Which is a, that's a, that's a considerable payment. Now you can stretch that loan term out, but you got to remember you got interest on that loan. So if you stretch that loan term out, you're going to be paying more over the course of that loan, right? So now same car, if you take the same Nissan Sentra, um, 36 month lease with $3,600 down at signing that monthly payment is $269. Um, now, if you took that same example car and you financed it for 60 months, that's going to be a $350 per month payment if you were to finance the car. So, right, leasing is going to be cheaper, and oftentimes dealers have incentives uh, for leasing cars, uh, more incentives than oftentimes, you know, say if you're financing the car. Um, now, one benefit of leasing a car, right, yeah, you don't have anything to show for the end of the lease. You're not putting that payment into the ultimate, you know, idea of owning the car, um, but the benefit of a lease is, especially if it's important to you to have the newest, the latest, the greatest car, right? You know, you, you do your lease and at the end of your lease, you turn in the old car and you just get another one for about the same money. So every couple of years, you've got a new car, you know, right? People see you driving around in a nice new car and whatever. It's great. Um, you know, if that's important to you and for some buyers that that is important to to have that, um, you know, that new car, that new tech all the time. They don't really care about owning the car long term. Another benefit of a lease is your general maintenance, your oil changes and things like that are usually going to be covered. You just bring the car to the dealer. They take care of it. No problem. Downside here with a lease is you oftentimes have mileage caps. Um, a lot of leases are 10,000 miles a year, and uh, many Americans drive on average more than that. So that's something you have to consider. If you go over that mileage uh, cap, what's going to happen is uh, part of the lease, part of the contract is going to say, all right, for every mile over your, you know, your, your, your set mileage at the end of the lease. So say it's 10,000 miles a year and you've got a three-year lease, that's 30,000 miles, right? Just for example's sake. So for every mile over 30,000 miles, it's something like, for example, 25 cents a mile, which that starts becoming really expensive, right? Especially if you need this car for work, it's your only car and you're still commuting back and forth to work and you're like, man, I'm, I, I'm like halfway through the lease, but I'm already blowing past my mileage. Um, and I'm just going to keep doing that. I mean, by the time you bring that car back, you're going to get hit with tons of fees. That over mileage stuff is going to just destroy you uh, when it comes to the cost of that. Not only that, yeah, you bring the car back at the end of your lease. 
Um, but there's usually fees associated with that. A lot of dealers just have lease turn-in fees, which are anywhere from a couple hundred bucks to maybe more. Um, you know, and uh, so that's that's something to consider there. If you do, have, if you have any damage to the car, if it's not in showroom quality when you bring it back at the end of that lease, they're going to charge you for that. If you get bumped into it, you know, if something bumps into it, a shopping cart, uh, a flaming wrecking ball, like I was talking about in the last segment with that uh, that other car, right? If they, if that happens to it you got to pay for that. And uh, you might not be ready to pay for that, especially if you're considering a lease because it's got a cheaper monthly payment. Um, so, Sean, my, my takeaway here is you mentioned in the email that you have excellent credit. Um, you know, but money's tight. You're a single dad. You got to be careful with money. Financing a car is going to have a higher monthly rate, obviously. And if we're looking at new for new, it's going to have a higher monthly rate. Leasing, it's going to have a lower monthly rate. But you got to stay cognizant of all of the terms of that lease, the mileage terms, the things like that, damage, um, a, a leased car, you can't modify it or anything, which if it's your daily driver, you're probably not worrying about that. So we won't go into that anyway. But that being said, you got to consider those factors, right? If you're looking at a lease because that monthly is cheaper, know those factors going into it. Know there's probably going to be some fees you don't expect on the back end, dealer turn-in fees and things like that. Um, I would still argue for buying that car or financing it because at the end of that you own the car now in your case sean i would say look for something on the um you know not new right obviously if you lease you're getting a newer car uh and you're getting a warranty and you're getting all these things which is important if that's your only car and you're taking your kids to school and then you're driving to work that's important but if you look at a used car somewhere in the uh five-year range you know or younger um, you can find some great deals on stuff that still has drivetrain warranties. You can even go to a dealer and find a certified pre-owned car, uh, which will be a little more expensive, but it'll be that kind of middle ground between a brand new car and just a used car with no warranty. That certified pre-owned car is going to uh, have a warranty. Some CPO cars even have better warranties than just what you get out of the dealership. But look for something used, look for something on the cheaper end, and I would suggest financing that. Um, even with interest rates as they are, you can always refinance at the end of that. And by the end of this loan, uh, you you own that car. You have it outright. And now to answer your question, should you um, pay off the 1600 bucks that you owe on your current car uh, and then go lease something? Well, I would say you can roll that 1600 bucks into your next uh, auto loan. So just consider whatever car you're getting a loan on, whatever, you know, five-year-old or, you know, slightly newer used car you're looking at, um, you know, and I don't know what your overall budget is, but looking at the lower end to keep things cheap, you can roll that into that. Just plan for your next loan to be 1600 bucks more expensive. And usually your banks will work with that and they can even figure that out at the dealer for you. So Sean, thank you for uh, sending those thoughts into the show, asking your questions. You can do the same, by the way, Matt at ThrottleWarrior.com, Facebook.com slash Automotive ADHD. Jonathan Shaw, president of Hemmings, is my guest after the break. Don't go anywhere. Every day, thousands go without the ability to buy necessary and life-saving parts. Parts like turbos, coilovers, and wheels. I'm Steve, turbocharged BRZ. It doesn't run because I can play with my connecting rod through the hole in my block. Project cars sit unfinished, waiting for parts. 
collecting dust. My name is Todd, and I bought a rotary. It's okay, bro. We'll uh, swap it. But no more. You, yes you, can make a difference. More information is available on the Automotive ADHD Facebook page. Facebook.com slash Automotive ADHD. Colorado Springs number one car show by default. This is Automotive ADHD. And my next guest is someone who has seen success in the business world and now oversees a legendary company that has been serving automotive enthusiasts since 1954. Now, they have the world's largest collector car marketplace as well as an extensive collection of resources for current collector car owners and prospective buyers. Jonathan Shaw, president of Hemmings, welcome to Automotive ADHD. Matt, such a pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much for having me on. I uh, can't wait to talk cars with you. It's what we love. It's our passion here. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. And we got a ton of stuff to talk about. And before we do that real quick, you've got a really cool story with how you got involved with Hemmings, at least initially at a little bit of a, at a young age. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So uh, I, I shared a love of cars. I inherited through my grandfather. He was kind of an American hot rodder, 32 Deuce Coupe, 56 F100. It wasn't unusual for us to go on trips together to, to go look at cars or, or find, you know, various cars he was interested in. And so we went on one of these weekend trips. We went up to a place called Bennington, Vermont, and, and I thought we were just going to see a really cool museum at this little, you know, uh, kind of garage gas station museum place. Little did I know uh, he was there to negotiate the purchase of Hemmings. Um, so, you know, I sat outside the office waiting my chance to go into the museum and see the cars uh, while he was doing business. Uh, and I think I was about 12 years old at the time. Uh, and, and so to come kind of full circle, you know, around and, and consult with Hemmings in, in 2018 and then uh, come on as president, uh, in 2019 uh, was was really special to me. And, and, you know, I have a deep, deep personal connection with this brand and an affinity for it. And, and it's not just me. You know, millions of people have a, a really strong affinity for Hemmings. Absolutely. And that's a kind of it's a really cool story, too, because your career kind of took you into some other avenues of business between that, between when you were 12 and your your grandfather buying Hemmings. And then you kind of you did come back full circle. You know, you kind of pursued some other things and then you came to Hemmings. Just kind of tell me why uh, why you wanted to do that. You know, I mean, obviously the, the connection there with Hemmings. But what what drew you to the company? Sure. You know, what What I saw in Hemmings and my background was in uh, digital product development, but had been around the media space, had been doing some M&A work in the media space uh, before that, and uh, had been with a company that ha- is a large publisher of newspapers that had really grown and, and built a digital and event presence for itself. And what we saw was, you know, my knowledge from that, my ability to take that to Hemmings and take you know, what was largely a print media company at the time that ran a marketplace, but was very focused on its media business and understand, hey, there's a massive e-commerce opportunity here that we need to unlock beyond kind of your traditional classified piece. Uh, and, and that's where I saw the opportunity was, you know, expanding the event portion of the business, expanding into online auctions, make offer, you know, direct to consumer sales of vehicles. Uh, was was something untapped to the brand, but I think chiefly it was a brand that had tremendous uh, patronage, tremendous respect in the industry, 
And I thought if we, and it's built on trust and customer service. And I thought, gosh, you know, if we layer on some new technology and, and a new kind of digital strategy for this existing business, it can really be a juggernaut. And, and that's really what we've created and continue to, to build upon now. Absolutely. And I think what's cool is um, some of my listeners, uh, some of my older listeners especially, will probably recognize Hemmings from years before and when you just did print stuff now. And you're bringing that into the the 21st century with this. And uh, so I think it's really cool because you've got people who definitely recognize Hemmings, you know, and maybe don't know some of the really cool digital stuff that you've moved into. Um, Now, tell me a little bit about, you know, the history goes back to 1954. So you're getting ready. You're gearing up here. You're celebrating the 70th anniversary of Hemmings. Tell me a little bit about Hemmings history as a whole. Yeah, such a neat story. Um, So unlike a lot of startups that kind of create these crazy, you know, names out of nothing, uh, Hemmings is named after our founder, Ernest Hemmings, who uh, was a big Model A and Model T enthusiast in 1954. So, you know, they were collecting cars from the 20s and the 30s at that time. And uh, he saw a need in the marketplace where he and his Model T buddies didn't have any place where they could communicate or create community around buying and selling parts or buying and selling Model Ts, you know, in general, the vehicles themselves. So he created a four page pamphlet, mailed it to 100 of his Model A and Model T buddies in their community and car clubs. And that is how Hemmings was born. So here we are 70 years later after a four page pamphlet to 100 people. Yeah, we'll we'll circulate to over 300,000 plus people uh, in in print. Uh, We'll do three and a half million plus unique visitors to the website, to Hemmings.com every single month. So 30,000 cars online for sale at any time. So from those humble beginnings in Quincy, Illinois, in a four-page print pamphlet all the way to, to what we are today, is kind of a testament to this this collector car community and and the you know love that we all have. Uh, for participating in this world. Absolutely. And I think what you're doing with Hemmings is, I mean, it's astounding when you see the the reach that you have with it and how many car enthusiasts, you know, who benefit from some of the things that you do. Now, aside from, um, you know, doing the car marketplace, run me through some of the, the things that Hemmings does, because you pretty much you pretty much do everything when it comes to car stuff from car parts to information. Run me through some of that. Sure. One, one area we've really focused on over the last year is developing services onto the marketplace. And we call it the friction, building the frictionless marketplace. So we have a valuation product. Uh, and, and certainly you can go on and you can research sold prices for vehicles from anywhere. But we actually personally value your car where you send in the details and the photos of the vehicle. We research recent sales and comps, both on Hemmings as well as, you know, kind of the broad collector range from wherever the sales may happen to that exact make, model, and year and trim package and give you a personalized valuation in return. We have also added a shipping product directly in where you can get free shipping quotes and book your shipping directly through the Hemmings marketplace. Uh, We also have an insurance marketplace with top carriers. So, you know, we're really focused and, and we'll continue to focus in 24 with a few more product launches and kind of demystifying the space, making sure that Anybody can participate that, you know, no stone is left unturned. We're giving you resource guides, buyer's guides, how to, along with that pricing information. And then on the flip side, once you go for the buy, you know, making sure it's uh, extremely transparent. Uh, The pricing is all up front. The insurance, uh, the transportation is a part of it. So really focus on 
you know, making the collector car space an easy place to buy and sell and participate with as much transparency and the least amount of friction as possible. And I think that's a really handy thing to have as a car enthusiast. You know, you've you've got a couple options when it comes to buying a collector car, for example, and and those you know range from everything from your your Facebook Marketplace classifieds to Craigslist to you know huge uh, auction houses too. And and there's a lot of there's a lot of mystery there if you've never bought a classic car before, you know, in valuing the car and in, in inspecting it. And like you mentioned with shipping, too, I think that's really, really incredible that you are able to at least provide some context into how people can can ship their cars, because that's always a big hurdle. I think a lot of guys don't want to ship a car and, and may miss out on some really cool collectible opportunities just because of the the challenges in setting up a, a shipping a car um i've shipped a car personally and you know i i went the route of finding a a, a trucker and going through a, a company that works with the trucking dispatchers and finding a trucker and then you got to wait for them to load up a trailer and all of this stuff and i mean it was a it was an arduous process, at least going into it without knowing anything. And uh, with you bringing that knowledge with Hemmings and then all of that support base with the insurance and all of the above, I think it's really, um, uh, you know, I, I hate to use a cliche, but kind of like a one stop shop. Like you can kind of get everything done you need to do in the collector car world with Hemmings. Does that sound right? That sounds right. That's exactly what we what we've tried to develop is is kind of a, a place where every single uh, you know, opportunity where somebody say, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to buy a collector car because I don't want to deal with shipping or I don't know how to insure it or I don't know what to pay for it. We've tried to create products to, that get people through every single step of that process. And, you know, the shipping portion is a shipping marketplace. So, you know, folks can be, uh, know that they're getting a best price from, you know, a wide range of certified carriers. Uh, they can uh, choose enclosed shipping. They can choose open shipping. I mean, you know, not every project car needs to be, you know, inside the the climate controlled trailer. But you know, some some certainly do. You know, our 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 marketplace runs the gamut from project cars at a few hundred dollars or a thousand dollars, all the way up to you know fourteen, fifteen, twenty million dollar Delahays and and some really special stuff. Wow. My guest is Jonathan Shaw, president of Hemmings. Now, we're going to talk more about Hemmings. We're going to talk more about some of your thoughts, Jonathan, on the collector car market as a whole in the next segment coming up here. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Automotive ADHD here on AM 1460 and FM 101.1, The Answer. Ladies and gentlemen, the Speed Council proudly presents... Automotive ADHD, now on video. For better or for worse, subscribe to Automotive ADHD, now playing on YouTube and Rumble. And here we are in the next segment of the Automotive ADHD show on AM 1460 and FM 101.1, The Answer. I am really excited because joining me on the show is Jonathan Shaw, president of Hemmings. You may be familiar with the name Hemmings, and you may know them from their decades of service to the collector car enthusiast, but you may not know some of the really interesting stuff they're doing now, especially in the online and the digital age. Uh, Jonathan, thank you for joining me here on the Automotive ADHD Show. It's great to be with you, Matt. Uh, what's, what's better than talking cars? Who, who doesn't want to do that? 
I know. I mean, hey, I talk about cars on the radio because, you know, my my friends have gotten sick of me talking about them so much everywhere else. So <laughs> so here I am. Now, uh, that being said, um, you know, Hemmings has got some really interesting stuff. In the last segment, we really touched on the, the services that you provide and how Hemmings is is kind of a one stop shop when it comes to, uh, you know, anything for the, the car enthusiast. Um, now, I want to talk a little bit now about the classic car market, the collector car market. There's a lot of, you know, I hear a lot of speculation and I'm maybe I could even be accused of doing some speculation on what, you know, the market's doing. What are the next collectible cars? Now, you as the president of Hemmings have a really interesting perspective on that. Where do you see cars going here in the next couple of years? What trends have you seen leading up until now? I know we've had, um, you know, some cars, some eras of cars start to, you know, get really expensive and others maybe not. What are your thoughts on the collector car market as it is right now? It's it's changed considerably. Uh, you, you know, the, just the the sheer way people buy and sell cars now is, is completely different. You know, I liken it to the kind of Amazonification of our world. Uh, in, in general, you're seeing so much more e-commerce of cars happen than than ever before, uh, where people are are buying cars. And I think a testament to kind of what we've created at, at Hemmings and others with as much transparency as possible, with as, as detailed research and photographs that people were requiring people to put up. People feel a lot more comfortable about buying a car. Uh, you know, there's places where you can order pre-purchase inspections and, and get that taken care of before you move through. So you're seeing a lot more e-commerce in, in buying and selling cars. Um, you know, whether that's live online auctions on Hemmings or make offer product or just going the traditional classified route. You know, and and so the the online portion has risen. I think you're seeing a lot more trading. Um, so you know, during COVID, you you had a huge spike in desire and and people wanting to, and showing and executing interest in collector cars because in some states that's all you could do. You, you mm-hmm. were either going to the grocery store, or you could go on a car ride, uh, or you worked on a car in your garage uh, as, as a way to spend your time during COVID. So we saw prices rise considerably. You also saw. Uh, you know, the largest demographic group in America start to sell off kind of the, the older boomer generation. And then you started to see millennials come into their buying power. And that has shifted interest considerably. So, you know, the millennial interest is really in both SUVs. So you're seeing the rise of SUVs go up considerably. Uh, but you're also seeing the 80s and 90s cars take off like wildfire right now. So you're talking, you know, significant number of sales starting to come through on uh, Grand Nationals, uh, on Fox Body Mustangs, on third gen IROC Z Camaros. Uh, You know, price averages going up, you know, $5,000 a year, kind of on average in those sales in a a single year period. So those are starting to rise considerably. Where we're seeing some fall off is in kind of your traditional hot rod scene. So, you know, 20s and 30s hot rods, you know, Model A's, Model T's are certainly backing off quite a bit in the in the marketplace right now. Um, so, you know, b- between those things, you know, you've got the rise of of also resto mods. Um, so you're seeing resto mods at auction where somebody has swapped out the traditional, uh, you know, carbureted engine uh, and driveline and for a new transmission, you know, either an LS, uh, or, uh, you know, a, uh, a Gen 3 Hemi or a Coyote motor, uh, you know, Bluetooth stereos inside, AC, kind of all these wonderful things that we've gotten accustomed to. 
So you're essentially taking the beautiful styling of a collector car and you're matching it to a modern, dependable drive line. You're seeing resto mods start to demand higher prices in some cases than numbers matching, kind of what we would have considered a couple of years ago as the holy grail auction cars. And, and that's interesting because when you look at, you know, your numbers matching collectibles and your 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 sort of museum cars versus your resto mods. And, I, you know, there's there's a big difference there in, in what the cars do and, and how they operate. I think some of that maybe could be attributed to the fact that you're millennial buyers now. And I like to see this. Maybe are, are actually driving the cars a lot more, I, I, too. Do you see that? I think you're exactly right. You know, it's long been said the millennial buyer group, they're a very experiential group, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't want to buy goods just to have goods. They want to go out and use them. They they go camping. Uh, they, they go on road trips. Uh, so certainly, yes, I, I think the millennial group is going to get behind the wheel. And, and what I also think is interesting, that group is going to be because they're more e-commerce friendly, uh, and more adaptive buying and selling online, I think you're going to see trading happen more often. So less of buying a car and, oh, I'm going to hold it for my lifetime. We're going to hold it for the next 30 years. Uh, I think you're, you're going to own it for a season or, or two or three years. And you're going to say, okay, I, I had the Dodge, you know, 70 Dodge Challenger muscle car. Now I'm going to go to the 87 Grand Wagoneer and try something completely different. Uh, or next, I want the British sports car. So you're going to see people kind of moving in and out of categories more, too. Absolutely. And that, that I think, kind of in a weird way is, you know, sort of the inspiration for a lot of like my show, too. You know, like we're not just focused on classics. We're not just focused on 90s Japanese cars or things like that. My show has a has a wide focus, as a lot of my listeners are are used to. Um, and, and so do I think millennial buyers. You talk about that. I definitely fall into that category. And, you know, for me, it's sometimes it's really fun to experience a car for a while. And then, you know, OK, I did this to it. I modified this. I did that. I want to try something different now. You mentioned a 87 Grand Wagoneer, which I recently traded a uh, AMC Hornet for one just oh, nice. just like that. And uh, those, you know, it's it's really cool. I think it's very surprising. Uh, when you find especially older guys in the car scene who are surprised to see that a lot of the younger crowd is is interested in these cars. And uh, and, and I think that definitely shows in the marketplace and with probably what what you're seeing as well. Now, are there any specific cars, any makes, any things like that that you see is really being hot? Like, hey, these are coming up, you know, maybe not right now, but these are really contending for a future classic. What are your thoughts? Yeah. So what I think is going to be, so, you know, we saw the big rise in Grand National prices, um, mm-hmm. but but Fox Body Mustangs, you can still get in a really good 79 to 93 Fox Body Mustang for $22,000, $25,000. We've seen prices start to rise in those. If, you, if you're in the market, I would jump on one right now because I think that car is going to be really, really hot. Uh, kind of third gen Camaros, especially the IROC Zs, still again that 2025k average price range. Uh, I think that's gonna gonna rise considerably. Square body Blazers, um, you know, they they're a little on the hotter side right now. You're getting into 30s plus for those. You know, if you want to buy something that's kind of original, you know, we've seen Square Body Blazers bring six figures at auction, uh, and, and wow. so. You know, the full resto mod, you know, brand new LS and, and et cetera. Uh, you know, there's good upside in these right now. And and in those 80s and 90s cars, you can find the ones that 
you know, especially if you're going to do some work on it, it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, I wouldn't be scared away by, you know, a higher, higher mileage car, especially if you're going to do an engine and trans swap kind of means moot at that point. Right. You're just talking miles on the body. Now, again, my guest is Jonathan Shaw, president of Hemmings. Before we wrap up this segment, just a minute left. What's in your wish list? What are some cars you've seen on Hemmings, you know, sitting there from your desk that you go, oh, that's going on my wish list there. What What's in your wish list? Yeah. So before we cut up, I pulled up my favorite listings on, on Hemmings right now. And it's it kind of smacks me in the face. I, I am a, a a millennial classic SUV fan. So I got an 87 Grand Wagoneer, a 78 GMC Jimmy. I do have a 1990 Land Rover. I love those classic long wheelbase Range Range Rovers. Um, so I've got one of those in there. Muscle car for me, though, love the Corvettes. Uh, I think, Ooh. you know, some you could argue sports car or muscle car, which one is it? Uh, but I love the, the steel bumpers and the 70s Corvettes for sure. Absolutely. I think some of the uh, the C3, the C3 generation of those Corvettes are just gorgeous, gorgeous yeah. cars. I mean, the, the lines on those cars. And and like you said, is it a muscle car? Is it a sports car? I don't know. You decide, right? <laughs> it, it, it'll go in a straight line. But the beautiful thing is those cars will turn really well, too. Um, so, you know, they're, they're kind of extremely versatile. Um, there's been a few that we've featured in in Hemming's Muscle Machines magazine that I flagged over the years. Like, wow, if I ever do a build... This is what I'm attaining to. This is what I'm shooting for to build something like that. Awesome. I, I love it. Now, last thing, you know, you, you've been talking about here uh, how Hemmings has been expanding and some of the things looking into the future of, of Hemmings and the world of digital and things like that. Where can people find Hemmings online? It's not just on the website and it's not just print now. You've really done some more uh, things to expand that. That's right. So we launched a new marketplace app this year. Uh, so go into your smartphone, both the iOS store and the Android store, uh, and you can download the Hemmings Marketplace app. Uh, users are spending about seven and a half minutes on average when they open the app. So uh, it's pretty sticky. You're going to get lost in some good cars there on, on the app. Also, our event series has come back this year. So in 2024, we're going to run four of our Muscle Palooza events. So that's everything from kind of vintage muscle cars and modern muscle cars and street cars to muscle trucks, hot rods, drag cars. We're doing that in four different locations this year and about to drop the announcement for where that's happening. And then YouTube, uh, we started filming several YouTube series two years ago. We were up to six series this year, uh, two of which are kind of pertinent to this conversation. We did an 87 uh, IROC Z build, uh, and we are airing right now. The episodes have come out once a week starting two weeks ago. A Fox Body Mustang build. So go check us out on the Hemmings uh, channel on YouTube as well. Awesome. I love it. I'm going to be subscribing to that and staying in touch with everything that Hemmings is doing. Now, Jonathan Shaw, it's been a real pleasure having you on my show. Thank you for joining me here on Automotive ADHD. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. And thank you for joining me on this edition of the Automotive ADHD Show here on AM 1460 and FM 101.1 The Answer. Also in the Wet Mountain Valley on 91.7 KLZR. Lots of great ways to catch this show. And if you missed out on the radio, that's okay. You can catch it as a podcast as well, wherever fine shows and mine are downloaded. Also, if you're listening to Spotify, if you're on there, Spotify lets you rate shows. Give this uh, show a 6 star rating. I mean, it only goes up to five, but blow it up. Give it six stars there. Now, I will see you same place, same time next weekend when we're talking more cars here on the Automotive ADHD Show.